Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, and this is an episode with Gabriel Rutledge. I recorded this episode, uh, and you're going to find this out over the next couple weeks, but I recorded this episode on a drive to Arlington, Washington, which was conveniently about two hours to get there, another hour to get home. So uh, we're going to make three episodes out of this because I'm having my tonsils removed on Tuesday. And so this is all, everything that's happening on this podcast from the time you hear it was recorded in the past. So if something changed, uh, these episodes have been, they're preordained. They are, uh, they're already, they're already uploaded before I get my tonsil surgery. So um, if something changed, we, you know, we got honest and real and all that stuff. If you don't like them, just know that the next three weeks are this. <laughs> so take three weeks off the podcast. Uh, the, the guest, like I said, is Gabriel Rutledge. We were in my car driving safely. I have a, I had a recorder attached to the dashboard so that we didn't have to hold mics or anything stupid like that. Um, you know, we got into it. We got into comedy stuff. We got into like real world stuff. It's going to be broken into, I think, three parts. So if it's three parts, they're going to each be about an hour long. And I don't know exactly where they're going to cut off. I'm going to try to find like a natural cutoff spot. So uh, follow. Oh, this is the big thing. And actually, this will be convenient to promote this three weeks in a row. But Gabe and I are in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, June 4th and 5th. Um, and then if you live in Missoula, Montana, he'll be there June 6th. If you live in Spokane, Washington... I'm headlining Spokane Comedy Club June 6th. Please come out to that by the way. Like I'm going to I'm going to try to get a good booking video out of that, but the uh money potential for us is much much higher at, in Coeur d'Alene. So come out to all those shows. If you come out to see us in Coeur d'Alene, I'll be doing more material in Spokane, so uh it won't be the complete same show. And if you uh come to see me in Spokane, if you plan on coming to see me in Spokane, um, yeah, you're going to get, some, and you go to Coeur d'Alene, you're going to get some of the same shit. Follow Gabe on, uh, social media. He is at Gabe Rutledge on Twitter. And then he's, I think Gabriel Rutledge on TikTok, where he's doing pretty well. He's also got a podcast called the Rutledges that he does with his wife. And, uh, I guess I'm just going to use this intro for all of the podcasts. So if, if it says part one, it's the first hour of our drive. If it says part two, it's the uh, second hour of our drive. And if it says part three, it's the time that we're coming home. And if you're listening to that, uh, there's we had uh, the battery died on the recorder. 
So I recorded on my phone for the last like 15 minutes and it was, it's, that doesn't sound great, but I, you know, it, it extends the conversation. Uh, it ends at a weird point. I did listen to that part. It ends at a weird point. So anyway, please check my stand updates at the com slash calendar. I'm all over the Northwest in the coming months. Please, uh, listen, uh, you know, tell your friends about this podcast. Follow me on social media at the Casey McLean across all platforms. Thank you for listening. And in a couple weeks, I'll be back live and in the flesh, hopefully without a, uh, a persistent sore throat. All right. Thank you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Just so I don't have to fuck with it, I'm going to start recording, but we don't have to have this party included. This. I just am going to be weeks without a uh, voice, mm. so I'm trying to bank something. This might this is probably going to be a two-parter. The Gabriel Rutledge experience is two parts. What went wrong in Arlington? <laughs> um, no, it's like the the Mariners posted a thing today saying they're going to have vaccinated sections, mm. and it's got the like exact expected responses, which are. Yeah. People who are like way too into moralizing other people getting or not getting the vaccine. What's that? Say? Is that my door? I don't think so. Maybe it's the rear door. It's probably the rear door. That's probably my fault. It's all right. Um, and then people who are like, this is Jim Crow segregation, like the same people who would have been very in favor of Jim Crow segregation. Yes. Are like, this is Jim Crow segregation. (laughs) Uh, I know it is. I don't know. I just want, I just want life back and the vaccines seem to be the way to do that. Yeah. So I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'll probably let my daughter get one. I'm going to look into it a little bit because she's so tiny. Right. Then I'm like, if it's not approved for nine-year-olds, should I be doing this? You know? Right. But I don't think it's size-based at all, really. But, you like, yeah, it's like, because it's, well, I, don't, I, I mean, to pretend like I understand how it works at all is a yeah. lie. <laughs> I just am like, it's not like they're, it's not like it's a dose of heroin, right? And it's going right. to like get through. That would actually be very embarrassing, though, if like... When you went, they're like, "What do you weigh?" That's right. <laughs> like a like a small plane where they they ask how much you weigh. It would like, be worse if they're like, oh, "We gotta give you two, actually." Oh, <laughs> boy. I need the uh, lap belt of vaccines. You're a you're a patient of size. <laughs> oh man. Yeah the uh, yeah it is it is. Um, well, it's just there's so much misinformation and just information. Yeah. That it's like, I mean, when you look at any comment thread, it's just people going, uh, people are dying and not talking about it. Right. Well, where? What's going on? And it's yeah. Just, and there's like some list where you can just, you know, it's like, this infertility things are going, rumors are going around. And, yeah. Well, there were infertility rumors about COVID and people weren't like, oh, you gotta, you gotta, like, you know, the, it's all just like whatever, it's so politicized. Well, also, I mean, if if my 13-year-old got COVID, there's also some long-term risks, for sure. Yeah. 
you know, less than if I got it. But I kind of wonder though, because because so I had pneumonia when I was very young, twice, and uh, it's got like some of the same kind of. Um, at least reputation. What is this person running? <laughs> the uh, it's, it's got concerning to see a child running. I know. You're it's... like this what? Danger? Well, especially like that person is just like drenched in rainbow memorabilia. You're like, who are you running from? Is this? She's late for the parade. Is this some? Yeah. Is this some kind of hate crime that you're <laughs> escaping right now? Um, my wife said to go this way, so uh, if we are late. Uh, we can blame her. God forbid. We don't do what your wife says. I know. She <laughs> <laughs> probably knows. My, uh, she's not going to listen to this, so I'm going to just speak freely. Uh, I, Someone sent me a thing the other day to do a book show, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, let me check with my wife, and they, and they go, should I just email your wife every time first instead? And I was like, I don't know. She, she'd be my manager. <laughs> then I, I can't afford to give her 110% of my money. <laughs> and then that person told me to do that on stage and I'm still debating if it's hacky uh, or not. I don't know. It's There's a very rare... Try, I mean, see how it feels. Try it once, see how it yeah, feels. Fair. You might give me that feeling of, uh, no. Yeah. I, I do have a bad barometer because I almost always feel that way with other people's lines. Like if I yeah if I didn't think of it I'm pretty against it but but you did think of it didn't you oh that's true actually good point good point it was I just it was, he just he I, just curated it for you I just refused to follow anyone else's advice that's how much of a rebel I am great point that's how low my self esteem is <laughs> wasn't even my idea like, he repeated <laughs> what you said back to you yeah he didn't even do that he just goes you should do that that's good and I'm like ah it's his idea fuck uh, it. If it's good, it must be his. I, should, I would have thought of it myself if it was a good idea. <laughs> oh, you're close to the like, hospitals, huh? Yeah, pretty close. I had a uh, doctor's appointment today in advance of my surgery. And they said that I have to self-quarantine. So for, all, for, for legal purposes, it's going to be nice to perform in front of our shared household game. <laughs> The household that we another, share. Another show in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of a, would have been kind of like a fun festival is like the NBA bubble. But, I mean, we would have never been invited to it. To yeah. To be comedians in it. I wonder if they brought people, I, brought, I wonder if they brought entertainment in. They did, apparently, because I, they, I remember somebody saying that and I literally was going to send a video of me opening for Mark Curry to be like, I could do, I could work for NBA guys. <laughs> This guy's six foot six and was on a show the basketball theme show. You would have had to convince white executives <laughs> that you could perform for their black players. Yeah. <laughs> I just found is Shucky Ducky was that guy black? Shucky Ducky Quack Quack. That's quite a name for a black guy. Um. Yeah. That sounds like a child's uh, like a child children's book character, recurring character. <laughs> well, I believe he was just Shucky Ducky. Mm. And then, but his, he would do, instead of, instead of swearing, he would say that, or quack quack or something. Oh, that's funny. I watched some, uh, some hamburger the other day. Hamburger? Yeah. 
I love all. There's not enough clips of the, either one of those guys. There's not <laughs> enough. I want like more clips than they are available. But both of them, they really. It goes from like this is stupid to like give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Shucky ducky quack quacky had different. He'd have like a big one like Shucky ducky quack quack, and then. Sometimes he'd just be like, shuck it, I get quack quack. Well, that's, Hamburger does that too. Cause yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Hamburger, it's kind of like the dude from uh, Pootie Tang, where it's like, it the word doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. And it's like, he's just like, something, 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 hamburger. And then like, shoot hamburger. Like, and then, and then, there's, then there's like a full, on its own, full-throated, puff chest, hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him, by the way, that guy still tours. That I, guy, the only clip I could really find of him, it was like some diner or something. Oh, really? I saw, I saw like a Def Jam or something. Oh like that. yeah, I didn't see that one. <clears throat> I, I always, I, I actually, I'm the only person in the world that ever discovered Hamburger. Was it like Hamburger Jones? Mm-hmm. I only discovered Hamburger Jones because Todd Glass talked about him on his podcast. <laughs> I'm the only person in the Todd Glass to Hamburger pipeline. <laughs> Did you see that, uh, oh man, it was all over Twitter like a month ago. Now I can't remember her name, but she was like a queen of comedy, I think. But she, she came up for a Def Jam set and she just kept pulling, <clears throat> she pulled out a cup, she pulled out ice <laughs> yes. out of her bra, she pulled out the liquor. Yes. It was so fucking funny. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that definitely came out before last month. I've, I saw it no, it's old. It's super old, but for some reason it was like circulating. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. Again. Yeah, it's so funny. But I, all I'm thinking as like a dork who does comedy is like, how do you follow yourself? You you pull <laughs> a full cocktail set out of your bra. Yeah. And then you have to be like, dating's weird. Or what, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> I bet she wasn't uh, the set that followed. I bet wasn't uh, super subtle and dripping with nuance you know what I mean well it couldn't be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well even the famous Bernie Mac set is, I mean the jokes are pretty corny yeah you know they're just sort of I mean maybe not even his right just sort of jokey jokes but it was just the how we you know got the DJ involved and it's funny because that's like I was actually thinking of last night I was thinking of the like iconic sets that like is the Bill Burr Philadelphia sets like a reference the most and I forgot the Bernie Mac one because I'm racist the Bernie Mac one is iconic although it seemed to get more iconic when he hit much later I I never heard anyone talking about that set until like Kings right. of Comedy and that I, set I, didn't launch him as we were yeah saying. those were that was much later man it, isn't it funny that like so Kings of Comedy and then White Kings of Comedy was the blue collar Comedy tour, and there's like I never heard that, but that's so true. <laughs> With the white kings, and, white kings are here. <laughs> was that, what did, they, did the did the black kings come first, or was that I can't remember the like, little timeline. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it was a similar timeline, but I'm not sure. Um, but there was like one comic that completely crushed the other comics on both of those. Yeah, uh, and it's Jeff Foxworthy and. Steve Harvey, we both agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually defend Steve Harvey, or uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, but obviously, like, Bernie Mac and Ron White. See, I, although I agree with you with Ron White, I actually think it was Larry the Cable Guy. 
Because Larry the Cable Guy, at that time especially, was... I mean, you couldn't perform comedy without some fucking knucklehead yelling, get her done it. Oh, okay. I mean, he was like... In the way that, you know, I don't know, almost like Pee Wee Herman was popular. Or right. It was... It was... Uh, now, Ron White's a far superior comic, of course. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. I definitely... Yeah. I, I guess Bernie Mac also was, like, launched into fame from that. Because yeah. he had the Bernie Mac show, which was great, by the way. The Bernie Mac show doesn't get enough appreciation for... Maybe it was, like, not... It's like that living single thing where living single is just friends. But it doesn't get any... any I'm trying to not say it doesn't get any love because I'm trying not to. We're talking about black comics. I don't want to feel like I'm <laughs> pandering to the non-audience that's in the car. But Casey, keep it 100. That's what I always do. <laughs> that's what I've been saying since I was a kid. <laughs> and I never. I mean, at best, 82. <laughs> if I'm being 100, it's usually 82. <laughs> <laughs> this part of getting onto I-5, I drive on it a lot, and uh, I always think that someone's going to hit me from behind. Mm-hmm. And I think that if this is morbid, but if one were to attempt suicide, this is the spot to do it because it's a completely blind turn, and you would just get smashed. So you're saying not just the impact of hitting the ground; someone would hit you. Correct. Yeah, I'm saying like jumping out of the woods here. Okay. You would, you would, and standing in the middle of the lane. You would not. The person would not have time to swerve away from you and yeah. do a mental health check. You would just get destroyed. You're not wrong. I have some. I do have some concerns um, <laughs> about these thoughts. That you're the having. fact that I think about it every time I drive this, I'm like, oh, what a great. Spot every to time I go to Seattle, so what? Fifty <laughs> times a year. <laughs> I think of the best way to die. It's very nice that you think I get booked in Seattle fifty times a year. Oh, I assume there was some microbrewery you wanted to go to. <laughs> I guess that is high. 50's high. Yeah. I mean, I, it would be nice. I would not mind it, but... My my kind's not welcome up there, so... That's not true at all. There's a lot of us, to be fair. Which kind? <laughs> I was going uh, straight white dudes with beards and beer bellies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, might I suggest growing your hair long? Because, boy, am I different than those guys. <laughs> that's a whiskey belly on, on Gabe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever... Have I ever seen you drink a beer? I wonder if I've ever seen you drink oh, a I, beer. Oh, I drink a lot of beer. I don't... I drink much less than I used to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely drink beer. Have I... I think I've pitched my, my very bad... I have a lot of ideas for you, Gabe. Right, someone, <clears throat> someone should. <laughs> which is, uh, which this might also work for Todd Royce, if that's any indication of the quality well, of the I don't like this idea already. <laughs> but it's uh, go to breweries, mm-hmm. sell out a show. That's a good start, right? Sell, right. Out, sell out a show. And then either the next day, the day before, or after the show, uh, you, who I assume mostly likes domestic light lagers. I don't like. I don't like your tone right now. Um, it's called being a fucking American. Yeah, I do. Okay. Do you remember when Budweiser changed the name of their beer to America? That was really embarrassing. <laughs> just leaned in. Yeah. Why don't uh, they just call it God? <laughs> God light. Evangelical Christianity. 
godlike. Give me a six-pack of heterosexual. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you ever hear people call it Bud Heavy? You call it Bud Heavy. I think I call it Bud Heavy because I've heard other people call it Bud I, Heavy. I love that, but it's you're not... You have an alcohol problem if you call it Bud Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard that till like five years. I think Dan Soder. I heard him say that, not in person. We weren't hanging out. Oh, yeah. Um, do you ever do that? Pretend uh, something you heard on a podcast or a radio show was like you and that person hanging out? No, yeah, I was, I was talking to Dan Soder when he was talking to hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> yeah. on his radio show. I No, but I do feel like I've caught people doing that <laughs> yeah, before. Sure. Where I'm like... Did you hear that on a podcast with that guy we both like that you don't know? That you know, neither of us know? It reminds me of something Joe Rogan said once. <laughs> You're like, you mean to everyone or yeah. you? Speaking of, uh, well, actually, speaking of Rogan, he's got Chappelle on the most recent episode. I'm like a never, I only will listen if I really love the guest. And Chappelle's just so interesting. And he said this thing that made me laugh out loud alone while I was getting ready to while I was doing my hair and prepping to, to meet up with you is uh, they were talking about Gandhi and how, how right. a couple years ago Gandhi got like Me Too basically yeah 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 and apparently what his Me Too was which I didn't look into it at all back then um, was he would have girls stay in his bed and not fuck them which is a, I think a pretty big distinction not, I'm not saying it's okay I wouldn't want it for my daughter but he was tempting himself Dave Chappelle goes, what is he, the evil Knievel of pussy? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud. <laughs> me, my buddy Dave was telling me the other day that evil Knievel, or that Gandhi's the evil Knievel of pussy. Well, that's Dave for you. <laughs> Our mutual friend Dave. <laughs> Does he live in Texas too like an asshole? I, th I don't think so. I think he just like, I mean, you know, the thing is, is when you have no need to make money yeah, and you have no financial constraints, he just, I think, can go to Texas for months on end. Oh, sure. I think he, at least at one time, he was Yellow Springs, Yellow Springs, Ohio. Yeah, he said on this episode of this, of the, of my buddy Joe's podcast that he uh, still lives in Ohio. Yeah. It's, uh, my band played there once. Oh, really? <laughs> For some reason, we played Yellow Springs. I think that was pre... Definitely pre-Chapelle. Before he took over Yellow Springs. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Isn't that... That's, like, really the dream, though. I think uh, Dan Cummins... Actually, well, in a way, Gabriel Rutledge has it made, too, being, like, a pretty successful comedian. I'm giving it to you. Living in Olympia, Washington, where, like... I still assume in Olympia you can walk around and you probably get recognized more there than in Pendleton, sure. Oregon. Sure, but it's it's <laughs> it's it's mild and it's right. not it's not it's a mo almost more like hey I know you than right. like if it's a real famous person people get weird <clears throat> you know yeah. oh my god oh my fucking god like that kind of <laughs> shit and you're just trying to get a coffee or whatever but uh, this is what. The Gabriel Relich story lacks, besides a conclusion, <laughs> is we might have talked about it on that on ramp. <laughs> <laughs> That's the conclusion. If you're looking for a brief conclusion, Casey can point you in the right suicide direction. So, there's a lot of people, even before, like now, everyone's moving everywhere because Hollywood's kind of blown up. People got mm -hmm. their own podcasts. People got their own 
But what I... What I don't have that they all had is they were all in New York or L.A. Right. For a decade plus. They got established. They got management. They got people. They got connections. And then they were like, I, I can go to Ohio. Right. I just never came back to Olympia. I never left Olympia. So I, I, I kind of... Uh, I kind of never... I'm, I mean, I'm doing it. I am a comedian, and that's the idea. But I never had that... Uh, I never had that, like... Yeah, you know, shot a couple pilots and was like, Fuck it, man, I just love the road. Like, right. it's not... That's not... Yeah, Ch- Chappelle can decide how much money he makes every year. Yeah. By how much time he wants to spend away from his family. Or Gabriel Relich has to spend his entire life away from his family to make enough money for <laughs> them to live. That's how I used to feel, and now I'm like, I need more time away. <laughs> I was listening to your podcast today, and I was the idea of being able to have days at home with no work to do, official work to do. Yeah. Like I have to clock in and clock out was like I felt myself dreaming about your you right then. I don't dream about like having sex with a celebrity crush or anything. I just dream about sleeping. Yeah, it's Yeah, and like I I, I was yeah, it's the my kids are all back in school now with with 6 weeks to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, good! Summer's coming, uh, and so yeah, it's uh, they're all gone out of the house for the first time in fourteen months, and it is, uh, it's nice. I mean, I have shit to do still, but it's nice, yeah. and it's not, you know, I'm not trying to send emails and edit videos while I'm making them lunch or, right, you know. Uh, so yeah, it is. Uh, it is pretty nice, and like yeah, it's. I am a comedian again. I have been for like three months or so. I think I think it's gonna stick. I mean, I don't have like a full schedule yet, but it, things are way more last minute right now. Right. And so that part of it is awesome. Uh, but it's it's mostly the you know, as you correctly predicted, <laughs> we said a lot. We did a lot of podcasts right in the beginning, like real early. Like I was yeah. still working in in Spokane, like the weekend everything shut down. Um, in Brian Posehn's hotel room. <laughs> in the lap of Brian Posehn's yes. luxury. They're like, you're a, yeah, I know. I worked, I've been in that Spokane club so many times, and then it's always like, you go to the former Red Lion or whatever it's called. And then that time... I would love it if they just called it the former Red Lion. <laughs> so great. That'd be so great. Where are you staying? Former Red Lion. <laughs> uh, I was at the Davenport with like this giant view and turn down service, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, one of the things that we were right about, what you were right about, is like everyone's moving down a spot, kind of. Mm-hmm. And nationally, that is true because I'm I'm sending I'm sending avails to clubs that I work, and a lot of them are like, you know, I, I'm like, hey, I have a week open in August, and they're like, Ron White's here, yeah, or you know, uh, Brian Regan is here, and like people who never did clubs before, so I'm like, okay, it's gonna be a while. Yeah. So it is, it's almost, in a lot of ways, it's it's sort of an easier way to do comedy because I am actually not gone as much. Right. But the other part of it is, it's, it's like, in the Northwest, if you, it, it, I kind of feel like you do everything and you're like, well, I guess that's it for a year. I know. Well, I feel like you I'm know. at the, I have like... Me too. Like now through July booked, 
And I'm like, well, what the fuck am I going to do in August? Not you know? the stuff you did in July again. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, like, I, I'm i a lot of people. I'm one of the first emails for a Northwest gig. Yeah. But it's like, when comedy came back, I did them all. Yeah. You know? So, so I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I started doing comedy again regularly in, I guess, like, late February, maybe mid-February. No, it was late, late February. Nobody gives a fuck. The point is, is, uh, yeah, I got, I had the advantage of just being like one of not that many people doing comedy during that time. There were a decent amount, but like bookable people, there weren't that many. And yeah. I got everything that was, I've done every single show yeah. that exists, basically. And right especially, now. I mean, even club, I don't, you know, clubs aren't can't do a club every month or whatever but it's like I already, I already did laughs in Seattle I already did Tacoma a bunch for different right. things so it's like okay that's done for a year you know? I know I think I've done 20 shows at Tacoma since they reopened which is that's just crazy I know that's crazy. and like maybe two of those are open mics the rest of them I did eight shows with Marlon Wayans five with Chris Porter two like two master debaters maybe one master debater a specialty show I featured for Andrew Rivers like I've done a lot of fucking I sent I was talking to it's so funny too because right before the pandemic the November before the pandemic I did this was I did a I featured for someone in October and then featured for Mark Curry in November and then I did New Year's two nights uh, featuring for Matthew Broussard and I was like, you're probably not going to book me for, like, a year. And she's like, yeah, you got a little while before. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and then the pandemic hit. And then I just crammed it all into one fucking stretch again. I know. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's. This is also uh, somewhat of the bad news for people in our business is not everyone's even back yet. Not all the comedians are back, you mean? Yeah, not yeah. all the... I mean, the good news is I think more venues will be doing comedy because um, especially if we could go, like, phase four or something. Yeah. But it, it's... it's uh, Especially at the highest level of of comedy that it's like, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it's like Nikki Glazer's got a tour, Tom Segura's got a tour, and those might be in theaters. I don't... I'm not sure, but it's like there's there's... There's people who might be going back to clubs who who were also theater acts, and they haven't even come back yet. Right. You know, so it's. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not super worried about it. I don't. You know, there's no. Look at look. It, I feel like I'm more a part of the business I want to be in if I'm doing the Denver Improv than Stein's Tap House in Arlington. But the reality is, it's all fucking comedy. I mean, yeah. You know, so. Uh, before in 2019, oh god, let's just sit there for a minute. <laughs> just let's just be in 2019. Fucking year I had. Um, I did 33% of my money. I do some analytics, Casey. Okay? Yeah, that's I right. I do some analytics. Uh, 33% of my money was sleep in my own bed money. And uh, so far, my return to being a professional comedian the last two or three months, I would say it's. 80% <laughs> stay in my own bed money but it it again I do I don't know part of that's because you're getting booked on uh, you're getting a 
you're agreeing to do shows with a fucking faulty tour promoter. <laughs> well, we, we could have we could have bumped that money up a little bit if there was more tickets sold in Boise, you motherfuckers. Uh, I know. But see, that's also I feel like in in some ways, I don't. Maybe it's not the best time to try to start doing door deals. But I'm also like, whatever. Like this is this yeah. feels like a time to like. We haven't. What have we done so far? We did Boise door deal. Yeah. And we did Enum Claw. Enum Claw. And neither one of them were a bust. Right. Neither one of them were like, fuck, that was terrible. And neither one of them were like, wow, we yeah. killed it. So I don't I don't know. It's, I guess, inconclusive, but also, I mean, we did the shows. We made some money. Yeah, Ian yeah. Claw was fun. Yeah. Boise was less fun. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the thing about, well, for me, the bar... This is where I would I will feel bad if it's like this in six months and we're still doing these shows. Is I'm not turning down. I think I made 450 bucks in Enum Club or something like that, close to that. And for me, that's a great day in comedy. Now, if I was paying my mortgage on it and I had put as much effort into it as we put into thinking about how to make people come out to the show, yeah, it would have been way worse. I do think, though, the thing... you So you said a thing that I think is interesting, which is not everyone's back, like not all the comics are back, but also not all the audience members are back. Right. And not all the venues are back, like you said, also. Mm-hmm. And I do think this is a time where I think this is always true and a thing that I've been able to benefit from, which is just being like mentally organized and persistent is going to be valuable. And that's always good, I think. Like being able yeah. to go like, I'm going to... I'm emailing, you know five bookers today or whatever yes uh or i'm i'm emailing five venues because i want to start a show or i want to see you know what's the deal with whatever place but uh i think in this stretch where there's like there's going to be this kind of like in my estimation there's going to be a flood of venues opening people wanting to go out Mm -hmm. and comedians wanting to start doing comedy again and i think that the people who are gonna like at my level who are gonna do well in that time are people who were mentally organized and persistent. That's actually, yes, and that's, to some extent, that's always true. It's more true now when everything's chaos, so right. if, if you can personally not be, that's yeah. going to help you, but it, it is, it's such a, there's so many uh, talented people who never go to the place that they could have gone to and I don't even mean they could have been famous I'm not even talking about that I'm just saying someone who lives in Seattle or Tacoma who starts to do comedy and they show a lot of promise and it's like they just don't ever make the connection of how much they have to do to get booked right it's just well I'm clearly hilarious and that's yeah. I mean that's a that is a big part of it you can't just have uh, glossy business cards and uh, be organized with your emails and you know, that's not enough on its own but it's the combination of those things it's the combination of like um, you know even in my for the most there's still Northwest stuff that I um, I do try to get for myself like I hear of a show and I'm like hey I want to do that but here, here in the Northwest, where I've been a comedian for twenty fucking years, mm-hmm. 
I, for the most part, it comes to me. For the most part, right. like tonight, Luke, the guy booking the show, is like, hey, I want to get you in. The, I got a show in Arlington. Blah, blah. Okay, great. That comes to me. But if everywhere I work nationally, if I stopped emailing them, I just wouldn't work there anymore. Right. I literally, places, I've clubs, I've gone to the Looney Bins. There's four Looney Bins in the, in, in the country. I've gone there 10 times plus, all four of them. If I just never emailed them again, it's, I would be, that's, I don't even have to retire. I can just stop sending my avails. I mean, it's just, it just <laughs> wouldn't, and it doesn't mean they, like five years later, they'd be like, what the fuck ever happened to Gabe? That guy was funny. Is he alive? They you look, know? They look you up and you're grocery store delivery guy of the month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, there's a, there's a guy, and I, I'm not going to say his name, um, he's the, He's white. I'll give you that hint. Uh, well, I have to narrow it down. Yeah. He's, uh, I think, like, so unique, so talented, and uh, so different from almost everybody doing comedy. And a couple years ago, so I have this problem where I try to make, like, everything. I'm like, ooh, what if I could make this into a business? Like, comedy is a business, but I mean, like, what if I could make... Yeah. So it's like uh, when I had a, I, I liked writing about sports. I was like, well, what if I could start my own sports blog and make yeah. money? Well, first off, like it's very unlikely that a sports blog is done. This guy's gonna around me good. Fucking, what is the, What's your protocol in the carpool lane? Do I? I'm going ten over the speed limit. I feel like. What? What's your opinion? I just want to hear your opinion. I mean. This isn't legal speaking, but I feel like you're allowed a few extra in the carpool lane. I don't know why, but... Like, extra miles per hour? Yeah, yeah, Well, but yeah. What, my, my question is, I'm talking about for passing purposes. Am uh, I being... When there's a pile of people behind me, I feel like the carpool lane is different than the left lane that's not the carpool lane. Like, you're saying, should you get out of the way or not? Correct. No. Not okay. For 10 over? Fuck it. You're okay. fine. And I'll pull over. I'll tell these fuckers. I don't... <laughs> I'm going to just slow down to 40 so we can... I got a bridge you can jump off of and end your life very quickly. <laughs> because my wife... When we, when we first started dating, my wife... Uh, that's how progressive I was. I let my wife drive. Whoa! <laughs> what is this? Saudi Arabia? <laughs> uh, she used to... On like I-90, when it's two lanes... She would just ride the left lane at the speed limit the whole way. That's that's a lot. And she'd been doing it her whole life. And I was like, no, you got to understand that that is an asshole. That is a person that yeah. people hate. Um, so, uh, anyways, this guy, I always try to make things into a business. So with comedy, I've really tried to, like, avoid that. I'm aware of this thing in myself. Yeah. And so this is, like, there, a part of it pokes out when I'm like... It really manifests in, or it really is like, it ticks up when I'm frustrated with lack of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I got to just create my own opportunity. Look at me, I'm about to, I'm going 75 and I feel like just an asshole, but I'm going to stand here. <laughs> it's my Northwest politeness. <laughs> um, the, uh, so... When I'm like, Gabe, let's book this tour. That's like a, a little bit of like that thing creeping up in me a little bit. You know? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, this dude, I was like, let's 
let's record an album for you. Like I'm not I'm not saying me record an album. I think you're talented. Let's record an album. And luckily, for the love of God, he was so disorganized that he couldn't even like we couldn't even figure out how to make that happen. But I, it just became like I got to a point where I was no longer frustrated with lack of work. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to record that guy's yeah, album. Yeah. I'm kind of like that with albums, period. I've done a couple albums, and I, I've become like the guy that people ask first. And I'm like, no, I'm booked. Yeah. I, like, I'm doing comedy a lot now, which I, I, you know, it's not like I'm not offended that people would ask me. But but you you, you can't say yes to everything anymore. Right. You have exactly. a wife, you have a children, you, you, you have a children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what foreign exchange student? Where am I from? <laughs> you have a children, I understand? Uh, yeah, and, you know, and a job. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's... You do, you do have to say... That's ah, such a balance. You know, did you talk about that Hustle Culture article on your uh, podcast? Oh, maybe. I don't know. There was, there was, there was a Hustle Culture... Uh, Specifically about comedy, hustle culture. It's like hustle culture is killing yeah. comedy. And like... Like many things in my fucking mediocre life. I see both sides of the issue. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> because they did, there is a thing where like... The thing I don't like about hustle culture is... No matter what it is. If it's comedy or real estate or whatever... You're still buying into this idea that if you work hard enough, you deserve success. Right. It, it's still like, well, I did the thing. I put in... No one's getting more stage time than me. No one's writing more than me. So where <clears throat> is my reward? Yeah. That part of hustle culture, and especially... I think in the beginning, all stage time is good stage time. You do hit a point where you're like, I don't need to go to this terrible venue and eat shit while people watch sports. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't need to get tougher. That's not what I need in my comedy right now. I, you know, I'm not going to learn anything about the material. I'm not going to, there is, so there is that. But the counter argument to hustle culture is killing comedy is every single famous comedian did it. Yeah. All of them. Every fucking one of them. So <laughs> it, it's really hustle culture is killing comedy if you're not that good. And that, that's a complicated article to write. Right. But, and you don't know how good you're going to get in the beginning anyway. So it, it, it's, it, it, it is a weird... I've seen people really, really dedicate way too much into, into uh, whatever, stage time and getting booked. And, um, and they, they burn out two or three years in. Mm-hmm. But I, and I also see the opposite. I see people who just never put in the effort necessary uh, <clears throat> to go where they want to go. Uh, yeah, but it is. It, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, and I don't know. You were talking about brilliant people. That's an interesting thing too, because I think I think if you're brilliant, if you're a brilliant comedian in a unique way, because <laughs> I feel like brilliance not just comedy done really well. Brilliant mm-hmm. sort of implies some almost really unique perspective and way of thinking. Yeah. And you gotta fucking move. (laughs) If you're an actually brilliant comedian, you have to fucking move at least, maybe not now, but you gotta go to LA or New York or something 
because being really good at comedy will get you booked in Seattle, but being brilliant won't. Right. Because even when I'm bringing an opener sometimes, I don't want, oh, I'm going to bring the genius guy right. who it could go horribly or am I going to bring someone who's you know I mean it's like that's a what boring middle of the road mid 30s piece of shit is what I want in front of me I, I get it I kind of <laughs> forgot my opener was in the car <laughs> but I'm talking about me too and everyone's like you work so much I'm like that's because I that's because I I'm for everyone Right, and so if it's a clean show people call me if it's a whatever show people call me and so it's like that that's a ben- that is a benefit to lots of road work. Right. But like actually brilliant genius type people, it's like you gotta get the fuck out because it's not I mean most brilliant people are horrible MCs. Right. Yeah, I see a lot of people where I'm like, oh they're so funny and I just can't imagine how they would make yeah. it through the club system, you know? There's a there's a dude in Portland named Phil Schalberger. Have you ever seen him? No. He's I'm going to explain him to you, and you're going to hate it. Because when I saw him, I actually did, our buddy Dan Soder, I actually did a, no, I wasn't even on the show, I was just watching Oh, you know Dan? I know, actually, by the way, Dan's done my podcast before, sweet guy. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I don't, I, I also then, I was in Vancouver when he was in Vancouver, and I was like, hey, my friend, we have a mutual friend. I'm not friends with Dan Soder, but we have a mutual friend. And he's like, ooh, are you going to go to lunch with Dan? And I was like... Oh, I don't know. I guess I could email him because I have, like, his email from this fucking podcast thing. And I emailed him, and he's like, no, I'm busy. Sorry. And I'm like, yeah, that's the right response. Like, his friend thinks that... His friend doesn't realize that, like, of course he's too busy to have lunch with... It's Vancouver. I'm sure he knows nobody there. I'm sure he's just smoking weed and playing PlayStation. And, and, uh, anyways, um, I... So, Dan Soder closed out a super secret show the first one I ever attended he closed it out and it was actually a very pivotal moment for me because he didn't even do well on the show yeah but I left it going like one that dude is so talented but even though he's talented his writing is just millions of light years ahead of my writing you know what I mean like I I left going I need to write more which I think is a good takeaway from that But Phil Schalberger went up, and so we talked about this on the podcast, because I think we did, or maybe it was after, but he goes up, and he's got a fucking, it's almost PowerPoint comedy. Okay. He's got a a prompter, and it plays, like, vocal cues. It plays, the what plays over the speakers is his inner monologue, and then he talks into the microphone. And it's like, I know it sounds really bad, it... I was like, the first two minutes, I was like, fuck this piece of shit, I hate him. And then I'm like, crying, laughing. But I'm like, how could that guy ever MC? He can't MC yeah. with that material. You could, I don't think you can feature with that material. Yeah. You know, like, so he has, he goes, has to go to headliner to be able to do that material. It's true. And, you know, Mitch Hedberg, you know, well, I was going to say before my time. Before my time in Seattle. He lived in Seattle, briefly. Right. Um, so a lot of the old Northwest dogs know him. Um, How's he doing? Uh, I have bad news. <laughs> um, he went to the great overpass of the sky. My wife and I, many years ago, right before I started doing comedy, we were driving to the Oddball Fest up at uh, White River Amphitheater. And 
I was playing Hedberg's, uh, oh man, what are they called? It's not the Believe in Gosh, Mitch altogether. Yeah. Uh, and we're listening to it, and she's just like dying laughing, and she's like, is he coming to Tacoma Comedy Club soon? Oh. And I was like, oh, boy. no, I thought you oh, knew. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but what, like, he is an example of a guy who, it's interesting because in some ways it's like, how do you think like that? But then, and then in other ways, all of his jokes are like so logical. You're like, how do we not all think that way? Yeah. It's more like, but that also is genius, you know? Yeah. But he's a guy who is brilliant, was brilliant. And so, but all of the stories of him back in the day are him eating shit. Right. Like, people will go on triple runs, which is at the time was all over, you know, Idaho and Montana and cowboy bars and you know this is like 90s cowboy bars this is you know people didn't even have cable <laughs> and so it was like uh, there's one guy I was talking to I can't remember his name he doesn't do comedy anymore I don't think but he he said he would go out with Mitch quite a bit and like three of the four I don't know if they were out for four days like three of the days Mitch would bomb so bad like there was a guy, one one of the shows a guy in the crowd brought a hundred dollars to him and it was like if you take this and fucking leave <laughs> you know just like he just they just I mean he, he there's a way to like not do well but you can sort of get through but not with that act not with that you know he yeah. and also I'm sure he wasn't as good as he was gonna get so it's like he was uncomfortably bombing right and then but then he was like once a week the crowd would get him and then you couldn't fucking follow him because after like just 30 minutes of absurd one-liners yeah you're like you know anything you do is just gonna be like so but it that's kind of to that point of like you know and even I was in Canada working for some guy one time and he's like oh I fired Mitch Hedberg and the only guy I ever fired he was terrible people hated him you know and so it's it's uh it's it's kind of hard to be unusual yeah you know I mean it, it pays off because we're still talking about him yeah <laughs> but it's hard to be unusual it's hard to be like unique to that level I mean I think I think I am good at comedy, but it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not inventing new moves. I'm just good at the established moves. Right. Do you know, You're, I, I didn't invent a new dunk. I just know how to dunk, but that's right. a terrible analogy for my jumping ability, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, I didn't, I'm not changing the game. I'm just good at the game. Yeah. You know, and that keeps me busy. Well, I think that's like, I mean, I think it, the sports analogy holds pretty well because, like, they always say, I actually heard someone talking about this with, uh, you know, my buddy the other day on a podcast in New York was saying, uh, <laughs> they were talking about how Magic Johnson left the NBA because he had HIV, and then he came back in the version of the NBA that had Michael Jordan as its best player. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he just looks like an old man playing with these fucking gods. Yeah. Because, and that's kind of like, yeah, maybe you're not Michael Jordan. You could still be Clyde Drexler, you know? You could still be a Hall of Famer. You could still be an all-star. You could still make a living. Uh, that's, I mean, that's where I think the analogy, like, you know, yeah. I think Louis, for example, changed comedy. Chappelle changed.
making yeah. comedy. Hedberg, Jerry Seinfeld, these guys like changed comedy. Like they shifted it forward. They accelerated the rate of change in a way that's like noticeable. Right. And uh, I mean, I guess I don't know who's who's a good example of it. that's doing that. David Tell's probably another guy that did that. Um, David Tell is, but also in David Tell's world, I don't think. I think people who are from New York who talk about David Tell, they're always like, they think he should be bigger. Yeah. You know, because he's never. You know, to me, he's huge. Sure. But it, it's it's uh. I was thinking <coughs> this about. I was thinking this about. Okay, here we go. This is why Dave Chappelle reminds me of Nirvana. Oh, I like this. Okay. Because Nirvana was, for a minute, the biggest band in the world, and not just in a way that, like, oh, there's a new hair metal band that people like, or there's a new Whitney Houston album. It was like, what the fuck is this? Where is it coming from? This is a whole new thing. Fashion and music and attitude and... uh, so then everyone after that, it had that kind of gave birth to what they used to call the alternative music scene. But here's what's interesting, is no one sounds like Nirvana. There's not one fucking band that wanted more than anything in the world to be like Nirvana who pulled it off. You can see what they're doing. You're like, oh, they were quiet in the in the verse and they got loud in the chorus and that's kind of from Nirvana. But like, they wanted to be Nirvana and no one... You don't really hear that many songs that are like, that sounds like Nirvana. Dave Chappelle, massive fucking comedian. I mean, top ten of all time. Right. Uh, I never see a comedian and go like, oh, that's that's the Chappelle influence. I never do. And then maybe <laughs> if you hit your leg with the fucking microphone. Right. Which is my least favorite part of Dave Chappelle. But... <laughs> But it, I actively dislike that about but it's it, But you know what I mean? It's like he couldn't be bigger and more influential. And you still... Jerry Seinfeld spawned so much comedy like him it became hack. Uh, Louie spawned so much comedy like him. No one quite pulled it off, but you could see it. You're like... Especially if you open up with a jerking off joke. You're yeah. like... We, we didn't well, that's, know. That's but, like when people ask, people will ask me like who... If you were to ask me who honestly my biggest influence in comedy is... I don't think you see me and go, that's Louis C.K., but it is, Louis C.K. Sure. is easily my biggest influence, and part of it is, like, just being, like, so honest about life, like, parenting and shit. I mean, obviously, I haven't been a parent that long, but, like, the embarrassing shit in life. Yes. It's, like, so, his embarrassing shit is maybe a little more embarrassing than my shit, but. Well, well now, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But, but again, we watch a ton of comedy, and I, I never even say that's a really bad Chappelle ripoff. I never even say that. I yeah. never watch a terrible comedian and go, because uh, I have, I've seen many Mitch Hedberg ripoffs. I've seen many uh, Dane Cook for a while. There was tons of open micers who were running around for no reason on stage. And, the, yeah. and it's like, I just, I just don't see a lot of comedians who are uh, like, oh, that oh, that's so Chappelle-esque, or that's so, you know. It's interesting. So there's one guy that I can think of that's not good, that's like, you would not have seen him, but I have seen him. That, and uh, it does feel like a bad Chappelle. Well, it's it's funny you say that because people say it about him. They say he's trying to do Chappelle. And I actually, I think if you watched him, you would get this too, and I just don't think people are as familiar with this. I think he's actually doing Paul Mooney. Oh, wow. Which is like... 
it's like so Paul Mooney like. Uh, outside of, I don't think this guy's a homosexual, but I don't think he. I mean, uh, if you're gonna be Paul Mooney, let's commit. Yeah, let's commit to the bed, okay? <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> you're gonna have to fuck uh, Richard Pryor's kid. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the I point? Mean, if you're gonna do it, are you a tribute act or not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I. I, I kind of agree with you because I was I was gonna disagree and then I was thinking about it because yeah he's like Paul Mooney I would love to see Paul Mooney I don't know if he does stand up anymore but um, and obviously he's probably I don't even know I mean he's alive right I, think I believe he's alive, he's alive. Yeah. yeah I think he's kind of been actually exiled because of that whole Richard Pryor's he's the one gay guy to get uh, exiled him and Kevin Spacey got exiled see by what I don't this is what I never liked about Paul Mooney is uh, I don't need the artist to try and convince me they're a genius. I don't, I don't, he's like, I wrote for Richard. I wrote all of his good shit. I did this. I did that. No one can follow me. When I did this show, I changed the game. It's like, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. Like, aren't you a millionaire probably for all the things you've produced on and written and yeah. You probably still get streaming residuals for Richard Pryor's stuff if you helped him write it. I'm hoping. Yeah. And it's just like, I get every comedian, no matter what level, is like, fuck, I should have been more. I get that. But it's like, it's just, it seems real bitter. Uh, and I just, especially like, I don't know, Richard Pryor's been dead for so long. And it's just like, now Paul Mooney will come out and say all the shit about how gay he was or whatever. I'm like, nah, leave him alone. Leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. Well, it's also funny that they're, he's doing it like when... It's like you picked the wrong decade to try to gotcha a guy for being gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, now we're like, oh, we like Richard Pryor more. Cool. He fucked Marlon Brando? Marlon awesome. Brando? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> to, to be a fly on the wall in that gay room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And interracial back then? Woo! Hell yeah. taking some risks. Uh, uh, okay. Since it came up in a weird way, what if I brought up something gay right now? Like, are we fucking in the... <laughs> How long till Arlington? An hour and four? Okay. Uh, my, my When I was in Tucson, my Uber driver, five in the morning, he's super chatty, which I usually hate, but he's like, I don't lie about being a comedian anymore. Maybe because of coronavirus. I want people to know. Uh... But he, he, you know, he's like, oh, what you, where are you going? Where are you, you know? Oh, I'm a comedian. I was working. He's like, oh, this guy, my Uber driver is Richard Pryor's godson. Wow. And at first, it's a weird enough thing that it could be a lie. It's also why wouldn't you just say, you would say something better than godson. Right. But he just, at first I was intrigued. Like, I tried to like get involved in the conversation and then I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk. I'm not. You know what I mean? I was an unwanted interruption to his stream of consciousness. About, but he's telling me all this crazy stuff. And him and his and uh, his dad and Richard were in the military together. They get out. All this stuff happened. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it was just like, it was a fascinating. It was one of the first times I'm like, oh, fuck, we're here already. <laughs> uh, it was just so wild. To, to see and this guy his job besides what he's doing now is he used to do sound and lights for like big concert tours oh wow like he was gonna do Motley Crue before last March uh but yeah but that's just, it's just interesting to be like uh <laughs> uh 
also like you know you feel pretty good in your comedy career and then your uber driver like hung out with richard Pryor, and you're like fuck all right yeah you've gotten to like meet tom arnold that was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> is that still a thing uh tom arnold no is that still is our god god kids a thing none of my kids have god parents we so i think part of our i think so i have god parents um who by the way didn't come to my wedding like this is the level of godparents seems to mean much less than when marlon brando was banging you know <laughs> is that what godparent is kind of meaning like if you die they take over is that what it's supposed to mean yeah, that's the way I understand it. I think so, yeah. That's what they always said. I think we had, we had like, dual... My sister and I had dual godparents, meaning, like, the... Like, these people that live closer take over until the people that live further can really situate or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but we don't... So our daughter doesn't have godparents. I think part of the thing is... Part of the deal is it's so hard to be, like... Here's a couple where we love both people enough to give our child to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty heavy to drop on someone. Yeah. Like, the second you have a child, to be yeah. like, hey, when this all ends badly... Yeah. Uh, I, I... There's, like... I think there's some friends of ours that I would pick that I think my wife maybe wouldn't agree just because she feels like... Uh, it would be like short, short shrift to her friends. Shrift? Maybe. To her friends. <clears throat> there, it's probably also my friend that makes, I guess my sister should probably be the godparent, but then she's the aunt, right? Like, I don't I don't know what the, well, that's what I'm that's saying. That's another thing is it's like, if the godparent's not supposed to be related, but if it's, if, if someone who takes over, if you unfortunately die, I feel like a family member would be before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I, when I started having children, I didn't I didn't have a friend in the world I would have trusted 